It's time to pull those belts tight, race fans. The Front Stretch is coming at you. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Now, here's Dan Taylor and Dirk Houston. Welcome to the Front Stretch, race fans. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Online at joeskarting.com. Fast-paced white-knuckle racing just across the river on 23rd Avenue. Get over to Joe's Karting today. Do yourself right with a little indoor kart racing. Find out more information about what Joe's could do for you, adrenaline-wise, at joeskarting.com. Dirk, how are you doing this week? Right now, I'm very impressed that you knew the word adrenaline. That's right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've never just, heard that vocabulary before. I'm, so I'm just hearkening back to my old days of when I wrote the, the script for Joe's Karting, which is white-knuckle adrenaline racing or adrenaline rush or something like that. I'll have to look back at my records and try to remember that. But Yeah, it's something like that. I remember the white-knuckle. Yep, always white knuckling at Joe's Carding, joescarding.com. Week number two of the Joe's Carding Slick Track Series seems to be a success. What I see about 28 competitors the previous week. I didn't see the total number of competitors this week, but get over to Joe's Carding. If you want, just want to be a spectator, that is completely acceptable. Tuesday nights starting at 7 o'clock. If you're a driver, be there on time. Do not be late to the Joe's Carding Slick Track Series. And we've had two weeks, correct? Correct. Tuesday was the thro- second week. Any, what? Anybody been thrown out yet? Oh, right. Not yet, but the, weeks, the, the season's early. There's time. There is time. On today's show, we are going to discuss the Corn Husker Classic at I-80 Speedway. We're going to talk some local racing news, some national dirt racing, or some national news. And we're going to get uh, a recap from the Charlotte Roval and then get you set for Sunday's race at Tejas Motor Speedway. Uh, one o'clock central time on Sunday. Coverage on PRN and MRN. Excuse me, PRN and Sirius XM or on your NASCAR app. Did you make it out to any of the uh, the Cornhusker Classic, Dirk? No, I did not. I was planning on going Thursday and then it sounded like it might cool off a little bit. I'm still in the spot in my recovery where I can't take the chance of trying to get, catch a cold or anything. So yeah. I just stayed at home and read about it and watched your interviews of the winners. It was a fantastic night on Thursday. Thoroughly impressed with all the racing. I think my favorite thing, probably the one I'm going to, I'm going to remember the most was just how damn wide that racetrack was. Steve Kaziski really brought his a game all three days. You know, we, I think we've talked about it a little bit on a multi-day show or a 30 race schedule. Steve's going to miss it once in a while, but he brought three amazing days of, of a racetrack to, uh, to IED Speedway and all the competitors there. Um, well, that was one that was thing cool. that really, really helped is mother nature cooperated the whole week. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, was it Thursday was slightly cloudy or was that Friday? Yeah. Well, it was completely dry is my point. When, when you're controlling the moisture in the ground, you got a lot better chance of getting it right than when you aren't controlling that. So, yeah. you know, so if, if he's the only one water in the track and, uh, and, and, you know, he knows how much water is going on the track, approximately how much the track's taking, you know, and holding, mm-hmm. then he can control what the track's going to be like. But if, if you get a ton of rain, you might get two inches of rain some night and it might take six hours. And that's a good soaker rain. You might get, two inches of rain in an hour yeah two totally different things on the racetrack right uh but that that racetrack was absolutely beautiful and, and you knew it was going to be beautiful right from the get-go it was wide it was fast and drivers could take multiple grooves 
to get around the racetracks. Just, I mean, just absolutely phenomenal. I, I was thoroughly impressed with the races, uh, thoroughly impressed with the car count. Thursday was a hundred and, uh, let's see, 160 cars on Thursday, 259 on Friday. And then I think Saturday was right at two 30. We had a couple of drivers who just gave up, didn't have a chance, uh, and not a lot of torn up cars. I'm always prepared for the Cornhusker Classic because it's the end of the year, and a lot of guys seem to have the uh, theory of uh, checkers or wreckers, and most of them end up on the wreckers part of the whole deal, uh, not necessarily the checkers part of it. And I was thoroughly impressed. I think we only lost a couple of cars on Thursday. I don't think we lost any cars or engines on Friday, and we really didn't lose a lot of vehicles a lot of uh, race cars on Saturday. So just thoroughly impressed with the competition all around. Yeah, it, it always works out that way there for the second night. If there's there's going to be a handful of guys that, you know, came out and gave it a shot on qualifying night. Well, yeah, if they, it could depend on what happened. If they cut down a tire and they're going to start in the back of a big B, you know, 10 lap B and they're only taking three cars or something like that. You know, there's a lot of guys that'll just yeah. go ahead and throw in the towel at that point. So. Well, and also the number of races on that racetrack, I'm kind of bouncing back to it, but you know, it wasn't a nice wide racetrack for, you know, six classes in, in, you know, 20 some races on Friday, it was a wide racetrack for six classes and 50 freaking races. And that track was absolutely gorgeous at the end of the night. I, again, I'm, I'm probably going to keep raving on it about the whole show and probably for quite some time, I've never seen a more beautiful, well-held racetrack. Uh, in my short time as a, as a, as an announcer and a dirt track fan. So if you mention it anymore, can I just tell you to shut up about it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm surprised you actually asked, but yes, I will accept your request. <laughs> I will grant you permission. Uh, great race. And you know, the thing, another thing I was really uh, uh, kind of taken back by it was I kind of figured when it was a $5,000 Saturday night, a mod purse, I think we joked about it. They probably get like 10 cars, 12 cars. They actually got a good car count on Saturday uh, for the modifieds. That is uh, a great car count all around, but 42 modifieds. But my point with the whole thing was 5,000 to win in the modifieds, 3,000 to win in the stock cars. We know there are plenty of drivers that are doing double duty. Somebody had the opportunity to take home $8,000 just in, in, in winning money for the A mod and the stock car A feature. I was kind of impressed with the way that that your typical I-80 Midwest dominators just weren't really there this weekend during the Cornhusker Classic. Well, it sounds like he was there. It just sounds like, you know, he missed it. Yeah. Um, Elijah Zavenbergen is the one who won in the uh, stock cars. Dusty Van Horn came home, came home on, what's that? Elijah's been running a stock car a long time. Yeah. He's From like a, a town... Michael that even Anthony Ainsley had a tough time pronouncing O-C-E-D-A-N. Yeah, I've met him before. He used to race when I teched in 2011, 10 years ago, when I teched up at Park Jefferson, he was a weekly participant there. Jeez, he's that old. Yeah. So I said, he'd been around a while. He's probably in his early thirties at, at most, you know, I don't think he's 35. Yeah. But I'd say, you know, 32, 33, something like that. Jordan Grabowski, yeah, started uh, started on the pole and ended up finishing 18th. I think he pulled off with two to go. Um, I wish I was able to to look at his lap-by-lap uh, lap better on the MyRacePass app, but not able to do it um, right now. But 
I know he was up there challenging Ziefenbergen for the race lead, but it never really felt like he had the opportunity to pounce and steal that lead away. Like you're, you're kind of always just sitting there watching and thinking, okay, here he comes any minute. Now he's going to make his move and, and Grabowski is going to win this race. Um, and then same thing in the modifieds. He just uh, the, uh, was it Barry, uh, Tom Barry jr. Uh, was the only car was the first car able to make it work on the low side. And he was able to get around uh, Jacob Hobscheid who pulled off that off the race late. Uh, something happened with his car. Uh, he was able to get around Grabowski and Eddie Bellick and, uh, and eventually get that win. And he ended up cashing the thousand dollars on Thursday and the 5,000 on Friday, I think, or Saturday, I think he ended up taking home like 62 or 6,300 bucks. Should be some payday. Uh, we were talking during last week's show about the total payout purse. And I finally put the calculator to it and actually ran some numbers. And this isn't the complete all end all be all number. Uh, Cause there are still quite a few uh, contingency money and uh, you know, B feature non-qualifiers. There was still quite a bit of money left that didn't, that I, I didn't know if it got paid out or not. So I didn't count it, but 87, no, sorry. $78,000 was the total purse payout that I was able to track down for the Cornhusker classic. It's good money for, you know, a two day show. So hell of a good money for a two day show. And then the uh, Speedway Motors night at the races was was another great night of, of payouts and, and car counts and great racing action. Just all around a, a great, great night, a great weekend, great three days of racing. Uh, I kind of said it in uh, in the I-80 Speedway thank you video with Joe and Steve, uh, but I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit more in depth here. If that was the final race at I-80 Speedway, uh, they sent that racetrack out on the best racing I've ever seen for local guys. And it's really, really unfortunate that more people didn't didn't see it because that was just an amazing night of racing on Saturday night, Friday night, Thursday night. It was just all around. Uh, but uh, it'll be biggest interesting thing, to see what happens next year. Biggest thing that hurt it Saturday night was Nebraska played a good football game the week before. And they played a fo- good football game on Saturday, too. I mean, not that that hurt any ticket sales, but yeah, I think so. There was... Plenty of people that wanted to stay home and, and watch every uh, every down of that game, and and they got they I think they got treated to a great show. Yeah, see, I I look at football a little different. I'm not a moral victory guy. You either win the game or you lose it. Yeah, and and I I think I told you a couple of weeks ago that the defense was playing so well all those games that there was a game coming up where the offense was going to score enough points to win and the defense wouldn't be there. And this was that week. Yeah. You know, they just gave up way too much. You know, if the defense would have played like they did against Michigan State, they'd have won the game, but they didn't. So, yeah, uh, I think that definitely hurt uh, IADC with ticket sales was those was that game. And um, it's unfortunate. You know, it was perfect weather. It, it was a little chilly. It was fall weather, but, you know, it wasn't your typical Cornhusker classic that we were seeing oh. a high of 45. Yeah, I've, I've worked plenty of those at sunset. So, oh. yeah, I do those- remember that. Those races are just miserable. I remember I'd get out there and early in the night, it'd be 55, 60 degrees out, you know, at five o'clock and you're running around doing all your tech. And then by the time it starts to get dark and the temperature's dropping, your feet are sweating. And by the time you leave, you can't feel your feet to walk to your damn car. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, uh, did you get to watch the, uh, the thank you video on IE's page? Uh, I didn't see a thank you video. I saw your interview with Steve and Joe. Yeah, that was kind of it. That was the thank you video. That wasn't on the front okay. stretch one. That was on I-80s, but yeah. Oh, okay. I just saw the video. I wasn't sure where it was at, so. 
So after yeah. watching that video, I'm curious to see what your thoughts are on the 2022 race season. To me, it sounded like Joe's still planning on having it unless the track gets sold in the next two months. Yeah. Do you think Steve's planning on having it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Steve ain't going to go nowhere. He ain't going to run out on Joe. Yeah. You know, I don't I, see that happening. But I got a, I got a real quick kick out of Joe's line. I, I don't think I've ever heard him. Uh, I don't want to say poke fun of or make fun of, but crack a joke at Steve's offense, uh, expense like that. But when he said, you know, Steve's not getting any younger, I got, yeah. I got a real kick out of that. I don't think I've ever heard him say something like that to his brother. <laughs> but uh, no, if it, after listening to that though, if the offer's a little less than what they've been wanting, mm -hmm. I might be more inclined to take it now. Yeah. I, I think they're pretty ready to go. I, I think that, that, that whole family has braced themselves for the fact that the Cornhusker classic, uh, that they may be done, that, that, that may be that, you know, I, I think that, and a lot of the family is, is, is ready for it. And I may be speaking a little bit out of turn and, and saying things I shouldn't, but you know, Steve said it best. He said, when you work at a racetrack, when you own a racetrack, you're married to it. It's not a, a one or two day a week thing. It's a, it's a six, seven days a week working at that track. And, Joe and Steve have, have put in their time and I, I look at it and I think I have the same opinion that a lot of people do. If the racetrack doesn't come back, that's really, really going to stink. We don't blame Joe and Steve one bit for walking away because at some point they have to, they can't just keep well, this track going. And, and you can't just put back, uh, I think what they've had the track 18 seasons, I think, mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, their racing career started when they were 18 years old. Well, yeah. it probably started when they were 10 or 12 yeah. working on Dan's car. You what, know? Did, uh, what did uh, uh, Steve say? He'd been racing for, for 48 years? Yeah, I remember he started, I think, in sportsman cars at Sunset. I think it's 78, if I remember right. Yeah. And uh, uh, so that wouldn't be quite that many years. But maybe he raced go-karts or something like that before that. I thought there was something like 48 doesn't sound right. I thought he said something about 50, maybe he recent for 50 years or something like that. But I mean, that's a long time to do anything. And, and, you know, oh, the yeah. more I, I talk to Joe and Steve, one of the things that Joe talks keeps talking about is that he's never taken his wife on a summer vacation that didn't have to do with a racetrack. And Mona deserves some, something a little bit different. You know, Joe deserves something a little bit different. Well, the man has been completely and 100% dedicated dirt to dirt racing nearly all of his life. Yeah, well, he didn't say summer vacation. He said vacation. You know, her yeah. vacation was to go to Daytona. Right. And, and while and she sits <laughs> on the beach while, while Joe's running around getting organized for the 20 next season to come for I-80 Speedway. Well, I'm, I'm and, talking, they were, they've been going to Daytona long before they had a racetrack. Yeah. Long before. So, yeah. and, and yeah, you know, I, I'm sure that Mona wants to go and, and see something, you know, go to Rome or, or go to sit on a beach in Mexico or, or go to uh, Las Vegas somewhere where it doesn't have to do with racing. Well, exactly. You know, and that doesn't have to mean you leave the country. There's right. a lot of stuff to see in this country that not involved with racing, but uh, yeah, no, everything that they've done in their lives, you know, has been involved with racing. So yeah. You know, and now the kids are all grown up and getting married and everything. So none of them get to go on a free vacation with mom and dad. Well, and none of them. Yeah. <laughs> and they're less available to work, too. So their worker, their their employment ability or their the, the people they've been able to employ or <laughs> hornswaggle into working for them 
has diminished considerably also. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it, uh, was it Alex that just moved? Joe's daughter, Alex, I think, yeah. moved to North Carolina, got married yeah. and moved. Yeah, yeah, and, she's uh, been at the racetrack the last three weekends. Yeah, and I was going to say she moved to get away from the racetrack. <laughs> she said to me, it's it like the last, I don't know, it's like maybe a month or two ago. She says, yeah, this is my last night working at the Speedway. I'm moving to North Carolina. And I started laughing and she kind of looked at me and I go, she goes, what? And I go, well, I mean, I'm glad for you. You think you're moving to North Carolina and getting away from the racetrack, but you'll be back. And she kind of chuckled. She goes, yeah, I probably will. <laughs> There's no such thing as being a Kaziski and married to a Kaziski and not working for the racetrack. That's not a thing. Yeah. Period. Nope. <laughs> All right. Enough about the Cornhusker Classic. Uh, we got to send our thoughts. Uh, I got to send my thoughts out to Mike Peterson, who is more commonly known in the racing community as Push Truck Mike. Mike had surgery. I want to get the day right. Uh, last Monday. So not the 11th. But the 4th, October 4th, he had surgery to remove some of the cancer in his colon. And as they were in there doing a little bit of uh, surgery and doing a little exploratory stuff, they ended up finding a couple of spots on his liver. They biopsied it and ended up finding out that not only is it cancer, but it's stage four cancer. So um, Mike's uh, cancer is... uh, uh, back and I, I guess I shouldn't say back, but it has grown and it's spread. Um, good guy. He's been an amazing supporter of dirt racing, obviously loves the sport and, uh, it has been, been known as push truck Mike for a very, very long time. That just sucks. I'm so sick and tired of hearing about good people that have got, that have got the, the cancer and, and, and are fighting it. So sick of this yeah. disease. Well, um, last Sunday night, I lost an uncle to colon cancer. Oh, you did. I didn't know about that. Yeah. And, uh, I actually, um, I got a message from my cousin, his son, that's a, uh, actually runs a new nuclear power plant in New Zealand. Wow. And he texted me or messaged me on uh, Sunday afternoon about, eh, it's about seven o'clock Sunday night, I guess. Mm-hmm. And told me about it and said, they put his dad in hospice and he didn't have long. And he told me to go over and see him because he's locked in New Zealand. Nobody's going in and out of New Zealand with the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. aren't they like closed he, down? They're locked down? Yeah, well, he, he says, well, we don't have a problem here, and they want to keep it that way. Yeah. So, you know, you really can't argue with that. And that's what he said. He goes, it's just, you know, shitty timing, so to yeah. speak. And, and I said, all right. I said, I'll get over there tomorrow afternoon. And next, he's here in Omaha. And uh, uh, I don't know, it was 10, 10 o'clock, maybe Monday morning. I saw a post that he passed away Sunday night. And so I immediately sent Steve a message and then we chatted a little bit later about it. And depending on what time you get this posted, um, Thursday, the 14th, October 14th at Tiger Tom's Pub, starting at four o'clock, they're going to do a, almost a celebration, a lifetime deal, but just uh, the gathering to remember Dave Sweeney. Okay. And uh, He wasn't a whole, a whole lot into the stock car racing, but he was really involved in drag racing. He had one of the first rear engine dragsters ever in the country. Mm-hmm. And his, they had a transmission shop, him and a guy named Howdy Williams. And Howdy's in the Nebraska Motorsports Hall of Fame. Howdy had a uh, top fuel dragster. And when I was a kid and my dad died, I spent a couple of days like on my Christmas school break up in their shop. And when I was eight years old, I was sweeping the floor and stuff like that. And by the time I was in high school, I was pulling and installing transmissions for him. But uh, he was a father figure for me for a long time. And, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of people that are going to miss him. I know there's some people that are so real close to him. 
uh, Don Chase being one. I haven't talked to Don, but I'm sure I'll see him tomorrow afternoon at Tiger Tom's. So, so again, that's, that's Thursday, Thursday the 14th at four o'clock. Correct. Four o'clock at Tiger Tom's pub yeah. on 70th and military. All right. Uh, and by the way, we shared the GoFundMe for uh, Mike Peterson, Push Truck Mike. We shared that link on the uh, Front Stretch Facebook page. So if you guys want to contribute to his GoFundMe account, uh, you're more than welcome to. Otherwise, I know that there are uh, some other charities that are going around. I know I know, I want to work with um, Stan or somebody within the sign community uh, and get something for keep pushing for Push Truck Mike. Um, just because it, 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 this is going to be a long, long battle for him. Uh, one that he can win because he's a stubborn son of a bitch, and I love that about him. But a great guy. God damn, I love talking to him at the racetrack. Sorry to see him not out there uh, this weekend watching the Cornhusker Classic. But uh, So that that is now shared if you guys want to go and, and uh, donate to it. Uh, all right, so Cornhusker Classic is, is out of the way. Went through the Cornhusker Classic with nobody getting hurt, so that's always a blessing. Yeah. We kind of had a rash of that the last several weeks, so mm -hmm. we got through that, and uh, I think that pretty much wraps up the local racing until uh, I think it's Thanksgiving weekend, the twenty fifth and twenty sixth. They got the turkey chase down at the event center. So, well, this is uh, let's see, Oktoberfest is coming up this weekend at Beatrice. Oh, that's I thought that was a week before. Uh, no, uh, it's going to be this Friday and Saturday at Beatrice Speed. I'm, I'm trying to pull up the. Uh, the information on that, see if they've got a flyer going, but uh looks like, I think it's practice on Thursday and then Friday and Saturday is actual competition. Uh, looks like it's going to be a little uh, chilly, but nothing that a, a hoodie and a stock cap can't fix. Still not going to be uh, your typical Cornhusker classic weather, but uh, Beatrice Speedway, the Oktoberfest, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, this coming week. I'm going to be out there on Friday. I know for sure. I'm probably not going to make it on Saturday. Sarah and I have tickets to a different event that night. So uh, that'll be my first trip out to Beatrice. And I know James Rowland of Rowland Race News is uh, excited to get me out to his old hometown and show me around Beatrice. Yeah, well, it's, it's about a lot like going around uh, Red Oak, to be honest with you. <laughs> not sure. exactly a metropolis, but, uh, <laughs> you know, stop over, go early enough so you can stop by Johnny Saloff's uh, Northeast Auto and do some car shopping. Will do. I'll try to do that for sure. All right, let's get into the NASCAR news. Um, NASCAR completed a multi-day next-gen testing that involved a majority of the teams. Uh, that testing was done at Charlotte on the Roval. Most teams had the ability to send at least one car to be able to get some experience behind it. Um, you saw, boy, the comments on that is still going on today about <laughs> the the teams the nascar moving the car number forward and i only bring this up because this is i think this is going to be an ongoing segment on the show that well, we're going to i'm, I'm going to read off comments on major nascar media sites as they post news about nascar for instance this one of the motor racing media not the motor racing network this is the motor racing media completely different thing they asked, are you a fan of the next-gen car? And they posted a picture of Ricky Stenhouse Jr.'s number 47 as it was at, I would assume, Charlotte. And the first comment that post that was in my timeline was, I was a fan of the next-gen car until they decided to move the car number forward to the front tire. I don't like it. Hashtag NASCAR sucks. And so I just simply posted it and said, I don't get it. Why does it matter where the 
card number is when it comes to a sport about racing. It, that, that doesn't matter. To, I mean, that literally doesn't matter. They and, could race the cars without the numbers on the side of them. That was kind I mean, I, again, I, I had a conversation with Kevin Zeitner. He said, um, he said, uh, what did he say? Something about, let me try to find his comment. Um, they got transponders on them. They still use manual scores just as a backup system. They got a whole room full of people. See, um, I, don't, I don't think they did that. They do that anymore. I, I thought they got rid of the manual scores. Well, I would be surprised just because then they would have no backup scoring system. Yeah. So I would be surprised if they ever got rid of that. And all that person did is each team sent a person to score for the race. And when they got up to scoring, they were assigned a vehicle. So you didn't score in your own vehicle. And then you just, all you need is a number on the top because you're sitting up in the press box. You ain't seeing nothing else when they go by you in the front. You can't see the side of the car. You know, you just read the number on the top. So they could put the number on the top and take the rest of the numbers off. So Kevin Zeitner said, why do they even need numbers at all? Go NHRA style and really irritate the NASCAR fans, which I thought was a pretty funny comment. And I said, I don't understand why the roof numbers still face the infield. If the number matters, why do they face away from the fans in the scoring tower? And he said that the roof numbers are for the scoring tower. And I, I, that's kind of my point. But the problem is the scoring tower is not in the infield. And so, half the tracks, it still is, though. That's just it. I don't it's think it is, though. You know, I, I guarantee you it is on some of the tracks. Where? Um, Indianapolis. Absolutely positively, for one. Mm, in the Pagoda. Okay, okay, I'll give you that one. One. Um, uh, California Speedway, I know is, but now that that's gone, I don't know what the new track's going to be, but the, the track that they, the two-mile track of Fontana was on the infield, just like Michigan was. Really? Oh, yeah. Believe me, I hauled enough scoring equipment up and down steps at some of these tracks to the to the tower to to know where they're at. But the, it just it it just baffles me. I mean, it's the, what is the I don't get it. Like it, and it's funny because a lot of the people that are bitching about this are probably dirt track fans that there is no regulation as far as where the number needs to be. Some well, of them have it on the rear quarter panel. Some of it have it on the closer to the rear tire. Some in the middle of the door panel. Some are in the front. Obviously, Obviously, you've never read the dirt track rule books. No. IMCA has a specific you could, place. You could just stop with red. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, yeah. IMCA has specific places for numbers. It's still in the rules that you can't put the alphabet except an X. You know, if you've got car number one, you can have one or one X, and that's it. There's no one A, one B, one C, one D, none of that. That's all illegal. Well, that's obviously not one that, that they enforce, though. Exactly. Now that's a whole nother story. Right. That was, there, one of, that was one of my biggest bitches as a tech guy. You know, how do I pick which rules to enforce? Right. <laughs> you enforce them all. And I said, well, you don't. Why do I you, have to? You pick the one that, that, that helps your favorite driver the best. That's, that's what you do. <laughs> but uh, no, my anyways. favorite comments were in there when they start out. Well, I don't even follow NASCAR. But, right. And, uh, yeah, but here you are. <laughs> I, got a kid. I was talking to James on Saturday night and, I pull up my phone and it said, Dirk Houston commented on your post. And I just, I showed it to James and he goes, oh, we got to open that up right now. <laughs> I said, I don't need to. I know exactly who he replied to and exactly what he said. If you don't follow NASCAR, shut the front door and just be happy. Just walk away. This is a NASCAR <laughs> conversation. If you don't follow NASCAR, shut up and walk away. 
Thank you. I scroll, I scroll past a thousand things a day <laughs> that I could leave an opinion on. Yeah. But just like making political posts, I've got some friends that are still posting 15, 20 things about Trump winning the election every day. And I mean, when I, I saw one of these people two weeks ago, you know, the guy lives out of town, but he was in town. And I said, dude, why are you keep, I'm just so mad about it. I said, everybody's mad about it, but whose opinion have you changed? Right. What you're doing is pissing people like me off, your friends. Just let it go. Yeah. Nothing's changing. It's, it is, it's, it, it happened. Anyways, back to the NASCAR talk. Uh, Steve yep. Phillips, Phillips says there's more changes coming to the schedule in the future. New engine and that will have some hybrid components. Uh, NASCAR continuing to uh, to do their best to to piss off the hardcore NASCAR fans uh, as they continue to modernize the sport. I, I honestly, I'm, this is probably something that will irritate you. I don't think that's a bad deal. Uh, this is something that I could not care less about. If NASCAR decides all of a sudden they're going to go out with 30 horsepower engines, I'm going to give it a half a season and see what I think about the racing before I have, before I really give my opinion. Well, if they go to a 30 horsepower engine, I will give up on NASCAR. <laughs> They've already dropped the horsepower enough. Yeah. As far as, in my opinion, that's one of the things that is hurting the racing. That's that, again, that's my opinion. And, and I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that because the racing wasn't very good before, but we've, we've seen some ability for second and third place to catch the leader in the last couple of years, more of an ability, but the bigger issue is this is the, the intermediate mile and a half, two mile tracks. I, I think that speed is the enemy to, to good racing. When you get to go so fast, you become so aero dependent that the leader has an inherent advantage and can just walk away from the field. But that's something NASCAR's caused all by themselves. Exactly. Right. And I'm, I'm all about them changing and, and trying to find ways to reverse that. You know, but all they want, you know, they've just, they've done some things 10, 12, 15 years ago that they keep saying they're going to undo and they just don't undo them. Like the, the splitter. The splitter. The splitter. <laughs> let's, let's start there, you know. We could start there and finish there. <laughs> well, I mean, as far as the next gen car goes, you know, I'm not a fan of one lug nut. Right. It's not going to make me walk away from the sport. You know? I, I'm, uh, the best comment I saw on that MRN my motor racing media post was, uh, you know, the, again, the question was, are you a fan of the next gen car? Somebody actually commented and said, ask me 12 races into the season and I'll give you my honest opinion. That's the best thing anybody could say. Well, to me, he's got an opinion now, you know, but he, but he won't know. I mean, if, if the next gen car improves racing, no one's going to care where the where the 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 numbers positioned on the side of the car, uh, the the orientation of the number on the on the hood of the car on the roof of the car, or the that's amount of the, lug nuts it has. You know? That's the problem. That's the thing where you're wrong. The people that are upset where this number location is are the ones that don't watch NASCAR anyway. Remember, they're already <laughs> upset about it. That's true. <laughs> that's true. You know, you are so wrong with that statement. You know, that's the, that's the stupid part. Like, what else did I post on your on your uh, thing there? Huh? What was my good one? I uh, love your post because. <laughs> shows the ignorance of fans or something like that. Well, it brings out the ignorance of America. Yep. There you go. I love your posts. The ignorance of America always gets displayed. Yeah. <laughs> what was the other one that I posted that caused a big kerfluffle? Um, I don't know. Everything you post causes a big ruffle. So. I like to ruffle feathers every once in a while. 
Yes, you do. That's an Iwegian thing, I think. All right, moving on. Ty Dillon announced that he's going to be racing a full-time Cup Series schedule for GMS Racing as they debut their Cup Series team in uh, 2022. Uh, Dillon has completed in f- competed in four Cup Series races with the Gaunt Brothers Racing and 11 Series races in the Xfinity Series for Joe Gibbs Racing. Excuse me, between Joe Gibbs Racing, Our Motorsports, and Jordan, a- Jordan Anderson Motorsports. So Ty's kind of hung around a little bit, but he's going to be getting a full-time ride with a brand new GMS Cup Series team. Hadn't we been hearing for a little while that GMS was going to be going Cup Series racing? Well, we heard it about three years ago, and then uh, the Gallagher kid got in some trouble and stepped away from racing. What was his deal? He well, had he had the or... well, he had the drug deal one time. Yeah, he won the race and passed and flunked the piss test. That's right. So they sat him down for a while. Spencer Gallagher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yo, you remember when we interviewed him? He was a little off the wall. We interviewed yeah. him one year down in Kansas, and he yeah. was a little bit out there. Yeah, but uh, I uh, I noticed something that kind of struck a chord with me did you notice that uh starcom took a car to the next gen test yes i did notice that um who was their driver uh i didn't look i just saw the car in the picture i didn't read anything about it but i was you know made me tilt my head like a puppy well and i got the feeling that they were going probably as an opportunity just to be another car there for Probably somebody there they share a technical alliance with and um, for Chevy. I didn't feel like it was them investing in the next season because they're obviously, it, you know, it's, it's not been confirmed yet, but it's been rumored that they're going to be closing down at the end of the season. And, and that seems to be the way it's going. I think that they did it as an opportunity to help with more data for, for certain teams. Well, and it might have been the test and everything was run, you know, maybe by, uh, well, Spire was the one supposedly getting their, uh, or that's been rumored, I should say, to get their charter. Right. So maybe it was actually a Spire test. So maybe. they went and ran. They went yeah, and ran for Spire Motorsports. Yeah, use you know, Spire probably used their people, their engineers, and, and all mm-hmm. that. You know, to have a like you're saying, another car to gather data. Yeah, I'm trying to find the post of who went went because it wasn't who's their current driver. Quinn Hoff. It wasn't Quinn Hoff. Yeah, it was not Quinn, but he's still racing for him. Oh, there it is. It's Kaz Grala. Yeah. Kaz so, Grala, um, Starcom Racing will have Kaz Grala behind the wheel, the double zero Chevrolet to assist in d- development of the team's NASCAR next gen program, beginning with next week's test at the Roval. So maybe, maybe Starcom's not completely closing. Maybe they're just selling their charter. Well, and it's, could be a deal also maybe they're going to uh step away from cup and go xfinity series racing yeah, maybe i uh, don't know bob, bob pockers posted later amid questions of grala testing a next gen car for starcom still expecting starcom to sell its charter to spire but obviously starcom has infrastructure and if they can field a car even part-time with someone who can bring some sponsorship dollars but they wouldn't rule it out so there you go bob pockers on the scene uh, getting the good information. <clears throat> yeah, and like I said, his information is usually pretty good. Hey, you want to hear another weird one? Okay. Yeah, you probably saw this. Cole Pern spotting for Martin Truex Jr. Spotted for Martin Truex Jr. at Charlotte. Okay. So Martin Truex Jr.'s former uh, Cup Series winning crew chief, who all of a sudden decided to retire, really hasn't had much to do with NASCAR since. Maybe a little bit here and there. 
all of a sudden decided to throw his hat in the ring and became Martin Truex Jr.'s spotter at the Roval, which that track, they usually have, what, four or five spotters? Yeah, they'll have several. So I know at Sonoma, they have, gosh, like eight or nine. I mean, it's crazy because the the view is so, you know, impaired with not only turning, you know, multiple directions, but up and down too, so. And they have a bunch of, and they have a bunch of all the road courses. I know they had multiple at uh, Coda and Watkins Glen. So, all right, let's talk Roval results. Uh, Kevin Hart, or excuse me, Kyle Larson gets the win. Tyler Retta comes home second. Chris Buescher in third. Kyle Busch in fourth. Denny Hamlin rounds out your top five. Matt DiBenedetto, Joey Logano, Christopher Bell, Ryan Blaney, and Alex Bowman, your top 10. Uh, worst of the playoffs drivers was Kevin Harvick, who forgot to turn on one of the many, many turns. Slammed into the wall, and his day was done on lap number 98. Martin Trucks Jr. finished 29th. Brad Kozlowski ended up finishing 20th, and that's it. Chase Elliott ended up finishing 12th, but um, that was that for Kevin Harvick's uh, 2021 bid for the NASCAR championship. Um, Like I said, slammed into the wall, ended up finishing uh, 25 points behind eighth, who was Martin Truex Jr., Christopher Bell, William Byron, and Alex Bowman also eliminated from the races. No real surprises there. I kind of thought maybe Kevin Harvick had an opportunity to get in there and, and, and make his way into the next round. But the season he's had, the way things have gone for him, I'm not surprised that he's, he was bounced out in the second round. No, and, you know, he was fighting. I mean, he was driving his, you know, driving his butt off trying to get yeah. his spot. So, uh, I mean, almost comes down to instant karma. <laughs> he spun Elliot, you know. Was what yeah. When they played that in-car camera. <laughs> yeah. That was, was so bad. Was Chase Elliott's comments after the races some of the best post-race comments? It was maybe the most classy and professional. And see, yeah. I was gonna say that was probably the most personality we've seen out of Chase Elliott in years. He hadn't been around that long, so it was just the most we've ever seen out of him. Yeah. You know, that that was more than when he won the championship last year. Right. More you know. than it, I mean, when when he gets hot, you know, he had he had a moment with Kevin Harvick, obviously earlier this year. He's had a moment, couple of moments with Denny Hamlin. He's had his moments, but he never really. He was. It's just my complaint of him. He's just a very blah guy. But that was actually clever and revengeful, and actually showed that he might be part human instead of just one hundred percent robot. Yeah, but I mean, you know, he was. Um. He tried to he tried to avoid the question as much as possible. Yeah. You know, he didn't want to say something that was going to piss off Harvick, you know, and then have Harvick come after him some somewhere in these final four races and screw him out of something. Yeah, he's got to be real careful about that too. You know, um, obviously NASCAR will really watch when Harvick's around him and if they have an incident. Mm-hmm. Um obviously NASCAR didn't get too worried about it. I mean, that replay was it's not all the evidence you would have needed in a courtroom to say that Kevin Harvick intentionally spun him out. Yeah, but NASCAR uh, loves that stuff. I, I think they're back to loving that stuff because that that energizes the fan base. The Harvick fans against the Elliots, the Elliott fans against Harvick. That's the stuff that, that this sport is built off of. Great racing is obviously A1, but the emotion, the revenge, the storylines, that stuff – that stuff is, that helps help NASCAR move the needle. Needle. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was in a spot where you know nobody was going to get hurt or anything. It's not like he was slamming him into a wall at 150 miles an hour or anything like yeah. that. 
Yeah. And uh, after watching multiple replays, I think Chase Elliott was trying to get Harvick um, going up onto the banking where, and he missed him. But, uh, um, you know, like I said, it, to me, it was just instant karma. Right. All right. Uh, this Sunday's race at Texas Motor Speedway, one o'clock central time. It's going to be a 501 mile race, 334 laps. We're going to see stages end at lap 105. 210 and then the race will conclude at lap 334 race will be broadcast on nbc it'll also be broadcast on prn series xm and then as i do i uh watch the race uh with earbuds uh or i listen to the race with earbuds in listening to the nascar uh broadcast on the nascar app get your picks in on time for the rick haven ridge pickums contest and make sure that uh you get yourself set for the uh, Phoenix championship party. We're definitely going to be having that down at Quaker steak and lube again. Hey, did, uh, so you did, you didn't see the race on uh, TV with NBC. Nope. With Rick Allen and the boys. That was probably the worst broadcast I've ever heard from them. Really? Yeah. They really struggled with, uh, with a lot of things the other day and they were trying to, I think the biggest issue is they were trying to focus so much on the point stuff that they didn't do their job right. Uh, calling the race like lap by lap you mean correct yeah <clears throat> yeah and I, I, some stuff and that you know it's just like why did they say that yeah <laughs> uh, mm. if it would have been on fox i would have said ah, typical fox but, <laughs> you know, when it was on nbc i was like well that's kind of out there all right uh get out to beatrice speedway this weekend again practice thursday racing on friday and saturday for october fest the Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 500 at Texas Motor Speedway on the uh, big screens at Quaker Steak and Luby in Council Bus, the official watering hole of the front stretch. And uh, big thanks to Rick Haven Ridge of Wealth Partners for always supporting the front stretch. Uh, Dirk, anything else we need to cover? Uh, not that I can think of right now. Like I said, uh, we probably need to get somebody on the show here in the next couple of weeks, talk about the turkey chase so we can get that news out there. Yep. Uh, why don't I schedule Anthony in two weeks? Um, next week, I have uh, Jacob Swanson, driver of the 31 Sport Modified. One of those guys that uh, is just a, um, a weekend warrior. I love Jacob. I uh, love watching him race. Uh, that car is uh, held together with tape and gum, and he still finds his way um, to, uh, to putting up some good finishes. So um, I definitely want to get Jacob on the show and uh, that's going to be next week, but we could also have Anthony on uh, next week too. Cause uh, we're not confined to radio rules. We can do whatever the hell we want now. Yeah. And I can't think of anything that big that happened in the drag racing world this week. Haven't heard any news on Ottawa yet. You know, hopefully so, that comes soon. We're able to get some. News well, there. actually, technically the longer we go, the better it is. That's my opinion on that. But obviously once, if anything happens and, and the track gets sold and it's going to be, you know, used for a concrete block storage like you know, Gornesker Raceway is, <laughs> something like that. Obviously, that news is going to travel fast. Uh, so the longer we wait and uh, whatnot, I think the, the better off it is that it'll still remain a racetrack. Uh, there's also still, uh, when this gets published, uh, till Friday night uh, slash Saturday morning, there's still time to donate to my Alzheimer's Walk fundraiser. I am at uh, about 1600 bucks. I want to get to 2500 so I can do the Triple Atomic Challenge at Quaker Steak and Lube. It's going to be a long ways to go, but if all of my friends, all of our listeners donated just five bucks, I'd be there in no time. Uh, anything you can donate would be greatly appreciated. And again, big thanks to everybody that has donated so far. I really want to get to that 2,500 so I could do that, uh, that triple atomic challenge. And uh, I want to be able to donate 
uh, $2,500 to the Alzheimer's Association. Please do so. You can find the links on the Front Stretch Facebook page and my own personal Facebook page on Dan Taylor. Uh, Dirk, uh, as always, great show. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week to do it all over again. Have a good one. Hey, guys. Dan Taylor with Taylor Computers and Repair, and I got another laptop for you that I think is going to go over great. Now, this one I think is going to be perfect for a student, whether it be high school or college, because it's a 14-inch HP ProBook 640 G2 that has been upgraded to a 240 gig solid state hard drive. This also boasts an Intel i3 2.3 gigahertz processor and it comes with 8 gigs of RAM and is a Windows 10 Pro. One thing that it comes with that I haven't mentioned yet that is going to be perfect for a student is the fingerprint scanner. It's another level of security that you can take advantage of today. Now, if you want to get more information about this HP 14-inch ProBook 640 G2 for just $450, you can always reach out to me at Tailored Computers and Repair on Facebook. Every race car driver has run into the same problem. It's well past normal parts store closing hours, but you need that one to finish your car. The guys who brought you White Knuckle Racing by the River bring you Joe's Karting Racing Parts and Tire Store. Open until 10 p.m. Monday to Thursday and open until 11 p.m. on Friday and Saturday. A parts store that fits your after-hours schedule and you can turn a few laps at Joe's Karting while you're waiting for your part to get pulled from their warehouse. Joe'sKarting.com for more information. The official watering hole of the Front Stretch has you covered any day of the week with the best wings, great burgers, and amazing steaks. Each weekday from 4 to 6 is Happy Hour, featuring dollar-off draft and well drinks plus $4 Luberitas. Mondays are Kids Night. Tuesdays are all-you-can-eat wings for $12.95, and the lube even delivers to the Council Bluffs area. Like Quaker Steak and Lube Council Bluffs on Facebook for a full list of weekly events. Get to Quaker Steak and Lube. Mid-America Drive, Council Bluffs.